Hello, I'm Alex and this is the Northern Guides to Happiness. Welcome to episode 22. As always, I'm here in our virtual studio with Chris and Kath and we are joined by a previous Geordie Guide interviewee tonight, Paul Kell. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi there. Was he a Geordie Guide interviewee or was he a He was a Geordie Guide, yeah. Yeah. Always. Um, well done, Alex. Well done. Paul, uh, Paul was an interviewee way back in the beginning. Um, episode four, uh, four. Cracking, oh. cracking interview. So well worth going back to if you haven't listened to it already. Um, now, Paul, when we did your interview, um, we were in the middle of the first lockdown, I think. And obviously no gigs were happening uh, or anything like that. Um, and now you're in the middle of a UK tour. That's right. That's right. We're back. I've got my Elvis voice back. (laughs) In fact, the first interview that we did, I dropped the Elvis voice and went for normal Paul. Shall I do that? What happened? <laughs> well, I'm back on tour now, so I can speak in my full American accent. Where, where, Kath and uh, Chris, where do you think this accent sounds like I'm from in America? Can you guess which state I'm from? Oh, I was going to say Broccoli Winds, but Southern Broccoli um, Winds. <laughs> I am from Disgraceland. That's where the voice comes from. Disgraceland. No, I'll drop. I'll drop. The American voice now. Thank you for having me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, this is normal, Paul. You got a scoop last time, and you're getting it again this time because um, I think you're the only uh, interview I've ever done where I've done it with my normal oh, English no. voice without the, the dodgy American slips. accent. So what a scoop! And twice yeah. as well. Twice the second time you actually We're invited just too me lucky. back. I can't believe it was that good that you invited me back. <laughs> and I, I suspect class. I suspect slightly that the, the sort of energy amongst the group after 22 episodes now has started to lag a little bit. So you thought, well... <laughs> How dare you? How yeah. dare you? Yeah, the Geordie Guide to Happiness has become the Geordie Guide to Fear and Loathing or something like that instead. So <laughs> you've invited... Elvis in to try and chirp you guys up a little bit. Thank you so much. We have we have been thinking about another theme. You know, the Geordie Guide, the Geordie Guide to Fear and Loathing is that's going to the top. Oh of the list, well, actually. I'm your man for that. I'm your man. I was, yeah. you know, I'm, I've I've written notes, so I've come up with positive things Ooh. that I can say, guys. So he's done get... his homework. He's done his homework. I'm impressed. And yes, Alex, I am back on tour. Elvana is back on tour. We're back on the road. So speaking of happiness, woohoo! Uh, we're enjoying doing shows again. So um, we've been away every weekend now for the last, I think, six weeks in a row. So what started off as joy has turned into just six weeks of being in the van with the lads every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's to- we love it. We love it. We love each other. It's weird because we've had, obviously, a whole year of not spending any time with each other. And now we're in the van, secluded in the van together for weeks on end. So, yeah, <laughs> to say that we've missed each other, it was very true at the beginning, but it's starting to, the cracks are starting to Not appear. Not so much now. now. <laughs> After six weeks, only six weeks, the cracks are starting to appear. But no, we love it. We're super happy to be back on the road again. Fabulous, fabulous. Kath, what have you been up to? Yeah. Anything as exciting as sitting in a van? <laughs> no, I, I went for a long walk yesterday with a very entertaining companion, so that that was nice. And uh, I should, we'll have to guess who it was. Some, it was me. It someone was me. we all know. Ah, there you go. 
Uh, a lovely, oh, okay. a lovely walk along the fish quay, which I've not done for ages. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. great, and uh, so much has changed down there, hasn't it, over the last couple of years? It's kind of become a little bit like the Ooseburn, we thought. Mm. You know, I think so. Yes. Changing, uh, changing yeah. industries. It's very it's much great. the place to be. Harrison Ford was down there recently, wasn't he? So exactly, you know, he was. If it's good he, enough he for Harrison, he Ford. follows where we go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If it's good enough for him, then it's good enough for us, isn't it? I think totally. has, has Tom Cruise been down there as well? I think. I think he might have been. Up. I think Tom Cruise has been in the area, definitely. He, he, he mm. turns up to everything. Yes, we're just That's getting so used to it. <laughs> Doesn't have to be invited, yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> he could well have been. There's, um, I think, since they've, uh, strangely, since we've had lockdown, mm. it's just opened up a bit more, hasn't it? Because they've got the seating outside, and they've got, you know, all these little sort of boutique coffee shops and you know, click and collect type places that have opened. Uh, it's strangely had the adverse effect in that it's just made it more of a fun place it's to be. Great, I love it. But the the most the most interesting thing for me was the ship that came in after the ferry came in because the Scandinavian ferry came in, but it was closely followed by what looked like a deep a deep ocean discovery type vehicle with a, a helicopter platform on the top. And we're we're busy thinking about doing a, f- a film showing based on North Sea oil rigs, and I just thought that's fantastic. So it's, I've been watching some film of what it's like to be on an oil rig, and I thought I bet that I bet they've been there and done it and seen it. Was it. a sign, Kath? Obviously, it was that definitely ship was a sign. sign. Must be. Yeah. Did you figure out what the what the ship actually was? Did you catch a name on it and? It didn't. It didn't obviously have any, but it was a very odd shape. Mm, uh, right. It wasn't your normal bow stern funnel in the middle type thing. It was um, <laughs> extreme, extremely interesting. So I will find out, and my sources will find out for me, and then we'll we'll see if we can get the the captain to come and tell us all about it. Oh, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> mm. What about you, Chris? How are you doing? Oh, I'm all right. Um, a little bit disappointed. Today was supposed to be like a roasting hot day, so I've just worn my summer shirt, and it's not—it's not fulfilled its promise. Oh, shake your fist! So I'm a little cross. <laughs> yeah. So this this is this is how rock and roll my life gets. It's that it's weather. It's creeping up on us now, isn't it? But at least we've got something to talk <sighs> about, Chris. At least we can talk yeah, yeah. about the weather now. <laughs> we <laughs> go on. That's it. The majority guide to weather. <laughs> yes, that's that's it. it. That's our next podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Look 40 million episodes later. And, yeah. <laughs> You're determined to franchise this uh, this theme out, aren't you, Chris? <laughs> totally. It's all about the merch. Anyway, on that note, shall we introduce this week's guest interview? Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, we've got Mandy Cresswell, who is the Chief Officer of Meadowell Connected in North Tyneside. She talked to me about positive intelligence, which was something I'd not come across before as well as how a building at the heart of a community had to adapt its delivery processes during the pandemic. Lots of great stuff in this interview, so enough of me talking. Here's Mandy. Mandy, a very warm welcome to the Northern Guide to Happiness. Thank you so much for joining me uh, this afternoon. Thanks for having me. It's it's a Friday. <laughs> I'm, I'm relieved it's Friday. It's been one of those weeks. Um, has anything happened this week that's been particularly happy for you? 
Um, well, we had a staff away day yesterday, um, which is very, very rare. Uh, we actually closed the centre and we all went out and did some work in the morning. Then we went for lunch and then we went for a few drinks afterwards. And it was really good. It was really nice to be able to actually all be together as a team because we haven't been doing that very much in the last however many months. Um, so, so yeah, it was it was really great to be able to see the work that we did and the reflections that people made during the session and then just have a bit of social time as well. So, yeah, that was that was pretty happy, I would say. Fab. I was going to say it must have been nice just being together in the same room. I think we're all a bit sick of uh, sick of Zooms and Teams and other video conferencing platforms. It's nice Definitely. to be face to face, isn't it? Definitely. So you've 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 touched on your work there. Would you mind just introducing yourself for people uh, who perhaps might not know who you are? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so my name is Mandy Cresswell. I'm the Chief Officer of a community hub and large community garden called Meadowell Connected, which is in North Shields in North Tyneside. Today it's a beautiful sunny day, the sun's shining, I can see the garden beyond my window and it's looking really lovely. Essentially we are a hub, a building and a garden which is designed to serve our local community or people from the wider North Tyneside borough. And in the centre we do all manner of things you know from um, the type of group activities you might expect you know a bit of sort of social activities yoga guitar groups that sort of thing but also more supportive things so you know we we help people on their journey to to work we help people um, improve their mental and physical well-being um, we support people who are maybe struggling with um, alcohol dependencies uh, we run an affordable after school club for children um, aged 5 to 13 we have activities for babies and toddlers and then as I say we've got about five and a half acres of, of land outside the um, the building perimeter itself which is amazing um, we produce we grow food in there we grow flowers we have um, a space for people to sort of sit and contemplate we've got a sense garden we've got a large orchard we've got huge polytunnels we've got a beekeeping project on site I'm bound to have forgotten something because we, we do so many <laughs> things we, we've got a community cafe which is open to people to use and it sort of serves fairly basic but like you know well homemade and nice mm. um, affordable food um, and a place just to come and sit and relax we, we've got an IT suite where people can come and access the internet um, and just use that either to manage their their own online life or you know get some help and support to develop digital skills so really quite a broad gamut of things that we do in the center um and like i say i'm bound to have forgotten something really important because <laughs> there is just so many things we, we hire rooms and we have tenants um so we have some permanent tenants including uh, united response or a tenant of ours grandparents plus have some space rented from us and also the bay food bank is on our site as well so yeah really lots of different supportive services all in one place and we try to work with other partners as well to deliver other other activities to to the local community depending on what they're interested in well you completely preempted my next question so i was going to ask you know ask you about Meadowell connected the the building itself you know i've been before and it it certainly feels like more than your typical community center if, if that's the right words to use you know what's it like is it is it a happy place you've kind of touched on a few of the things that go on what, what's it like as a building yeah, I mean, that's what we always sort of say is that, um, you know, from the outside, the building is a bit unassuming. It maybe looks a bit corporate. It was a it was a council 
building originally. It was built on the site of um, of the previous youth centre, which was burnt down famously during the riots. You know, that's a time that we prefer to forget, really. But um, so outside, it doesn't look very welcoming or particularly happy. It's quite sort of corporate looking. But we always pride ourselves that once people actually get into the building, that we give them a welcome, a warm welcome, and that once they get to know us and the staff, the staff are all, I mean, there's some crazy characters in our building, you know, some big characters. Uh, but at the heart, they're all really passionate about supporting the local community. So they're always looking for fun and innovative ways to do that. Um, so, you know, yes, the, the, it is a happy place. And I think although the sort of pandemic's been a, a, a very challenging time for everybody, I think what we've tried to do in that time is when we weren't able to use the building like we normally do, which is like welcoming lots of groups and, and high numbers of people into the building, we've been spending that time trying to make it look nicer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done lots of things to redecorate and like change it to, to make it feel sort of even nicer than it was before because it is an aging building it's an ex-local authority building so you know there is a risk that it could look a bit doer in in times how did you manage to do that then you know because you know i've seen a few buildings like that which were you know built you know replaced like for like buildings that were um demolished or whatever you know how did you manage to change that around um, I mean, we've just always when as I've worked here for about six years now, and when I first arrived, all of the paintwork, all of the um, sort of doors and, and skirting boards were all like this battleship grey, which mm. I used to sort of think looks a, it's a bit like a prison. <laughs> yeah. what, what is this? So we've been gradually over the time, so I've been getting the caretaker to paint everything white and you yeah. know like just add some colour in um, and you know we've kind of taken little feature walls which we've painted really bright colours to make it seem fresh and attractive we have a, a one of our volunteers in the gardens really interested in cut flowers so she brings in flowers um, so we try to bring some of the outside inside because we're always trying to make that connection we've used a local artist to to paint some features in the cafe which really kind of try to represent what we do and then you know we've just really tried to use what limit because we haven't got loads of you know loads of money so we have to try and be quite resourceful we've recently had two fantastic murals painted on, on a couple of the walls outside um, that was thanks to some sponsorship from Capita who was one of our strategic partners um, so they paid for a local artist and he's and he's painted these brilliant murals are huge um, and they've been inspired by our volunteers one of them features a thrush which um, one of our volunteers is a keen photographer so he takes pictures of the birds in the gardens so this one mural is a thrush with surrounded by geraniums and the geraniums have been grown by our longest and oldest member of the volunteer community who's actually 90 and she comes mm. in and has it's been for going. many many years yeah, and, is, and really still enjoys working in the garden mm-hmm. um, and the gardens particularly for me are a very joyful place very happy place because especially as I say today the sun is shining and it just looks lovely and it makes you want to go out there and and just enjoy the the insects and see the flowers and you know see the progress that the team have made because during the pandemic the gardens really were the one space that we could continue to meet people in because it was the safest you know out outside was the safest thing we attracted some new volunteers through the furloughs who were furloughed so they were looking for something to do and the transformation of the gardens over the last sort of couple of years really is quite astounding from 
over the six years that I've been here that, that you know that there has been times when it's looked really we haven't had the, the money or the resource to to do its best and it really is starting to change and that's what we're focusing on we've planted nearly 400 trees on an area to create a, a little well ultimately it will create a, a woodland sort of habitat which can't wait to see how that improves the, the area and, and it imp- provides an extra resource for local people to enjoy um, and learn about nature and biodiversity and all of that kind of thing so yeah the outside space I think is definitely our USP and we've been trying to bring the outside inside as much as we can to try and as I say make that link and bridge the gap between the two and make the building itself a bit more pleasant to be in. I think outdoor spaces like yours and also as well I've I've visited Scottswood Natural Community Garden over in the west end of Newcastle and it's often completely unexpected isn't it in in urban scenarios to have these wonderful outdoor spaces and it's really something so important isn't it definitely I mean we we know Scottswood well and um, we're currently training somebody to be a forest school leader and she's done some placement work over at uh, Scottswood and and you know they're very keen to share ideas and I think that's one of the good things about that sort of sector um, and outdoor spaces people are keen to share their knowledge you know they want to pass on their their wisdom and and what they've learned and what they've tried and what what maybe hasn't worked Um, so yeah we 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 know a lot about Scottswood um, Community Garden and it's really tucked away that one and ours is similar in as much as when you stand at the front of our building you can't really see the garden Mm. Um, so we've been trying to improve that and improve the access and it just takes time it takes time it takes people it takes money so you can't do it overnight but and I think the other thing about our gardens that then the thing that makes me the happiest is when I look out the window and see the volunteers interacting um, interacting with with clients who come to our space because we have adult daycare services here so people with additional either physical or, or learning difficulties and they'll work alongside our volunteers outside we have students who come who are maybe you know not really kind of connecting with education very well and 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 they kind of connect with with the outside space and it's just a really lovely sort of safe and happy environment for them to be in more so when the sun's shining but even when the weather's terrible you know that kind of brings them together as well I think or the huddling the, in their bait cabin to have a cup of tea and that's that's another type of happiness I think but yeah. I think the importance of green space is is something that's that's come up a few times in in some of our other interviews we, we talked recently with with Steve Lowe who's an ecologist and Pearl from the National Trust and for them they, they can see the benefits of, of being outdoors and the green space and you're right there's just something about being outside in the fresh air is so good for your well-being isn't it yeah and then I think obviously seeing the fruits of your labor you know yeah. being able to pull up a, a beetroot and think wow you know I, I, I put planted the seed that in for that yeah, yeah put the seed in and then you know the share um recipe ideas and we use the salad crops and things in in the cafe um and we're planning to do more of that as we as we kind of it's difficult because obviously with growing produce you have to plan so you can't just we can't suddenly just say oh we need such and such a thing for the cafe you need to decide that now to plant it ready for next year so it takes a little bit of time and planning but um we definitely try to use as much of the produce as we can or sell it to the local community at an affordable price or um as i said we've got an orchard um which we do sort of fruit picking days so people come down and they, they go and pick the fruit that they want off the trees 
plums and pears and apples and then they pay you know maybe a pound a bag or whatever they feel they can afford but they have Mm -hmm. the joy of actually connecting with where that apple came from as opposed to it just being on a supermarket shelf or pre-wrapped in plastic or whatever um so that's always great when we can share those things and as i say we've got a great beekeeping project um on the site as well and um it's it's not really run by us we just kind of give them a bit of space but Stephen, who runs the, the beekeeping, he's so enthusiastic about it and he's kind of really wants to share his knowledge and encourage people to learn about bees and, and their importance to the habitat and everything. So, again, having a conversation with, with him and just that inspires you, that makes you kind of... I think that's what it's all about, is the social connections. And that's what makes you feel valued, worthwhile, you know, um, appreciated... And that's really what it's all about. I think that's the thing we struggled with the most as an organisation during the lockdown, mm. when people weren't able to just get in a room together and, and say together. hello, or mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. that's what that's what we do. Um, that's how we work, and it's been really difficult, I think, for people. But I think we're feeling as though we're seeing a bit of the light at the end of the tunnel. So everybody's dead keen to do as much as they can. And yesterday when we had our staff away day one of the sessions was to kind of look back at the last 20 months or so and think about what you've been proud of and it was just so lovely to hear the staff actually recognizing and being proud of what they've achieved mm. and that, that for me as, as the boss was kind of great that they actually could see that and that that made me re- made me proud and it made me really happy as well so yeah I think it was such an intense period of time wasn't it that those working in in the voluntary sector in, in, including myself in in other work that I do it was just all about just just cracking on with it and, and just getting on with it and we didn't have that time to as you say reflect on oh we did this we did that we managed to do this and that and the other I think it was really hard wasn't it to actually stop and think about what it is that we were doing and the impact that we were having um yeah was that the same for you yeah I think so um as I say it was just a case of well it was shifting sands all of the time you know it was always things were changing and moving and you had to keep well like one week you were these were the rules next week it was that rules you know and like it was quite hard even now thinking about it you can't really remember how many people could I be in a room with it's all a bit of a blur isn't it it is a bit of a blur um but as I say that that was that was the challenge that was challenging um but then as I say particularly for the staff you know their reason for being is to help people and if they're not able to do that either because I've had to put them on furlough to protect the organization or because they're not allowed to go and see somebody or whatever you know that that really affected them badly um so we had to take a lot of time to remember to look after one another Mm. and you know keep each other well and as I said, it was it was really good yesterday to reflect on on what we did achieve because when we were allowed to, to loosen the strings a little bit and come together you know they were really innovative in the things that they thought up of so like we usually always do some kind of Christmas party or something for the local children on the estate but obviously we couldn't do that um, so the staff came up with these Santa letter ideas where the kids had to post a letter into a letterbox outside the centre then Santa sent them a letter back and then we had a mobile Santa's grotto in one of our staff's um, camper vans that he's got and we went round and <laughs> delivered them all 
wall with uh, some some stockings and, and Santa in a camper van. <laughs> Santa in a camper van. Yeah, Why it was not? great fun. <laughs> it was great fun. And then we also had the singing hinnies came and sort of sang some carols and things and different. So it was like taking what we would normally do in the building out into the community. Mm. And it was crazy. It was so there was so much to do. I think we did about two hundred letters, and you know the same number of visits. And then of course you get into a street, and there might be a family who didn't actually send a letter, but then they see Santa com- coming out of this camper van, and it's like, oh well, I want to see Santa <laughs> as well. So uh, it was very full on, and all credit goes to the team because they're the ones that do the work. Really, I just I just sit back and kind of think, oh yes, well, you know. That, that's all good but they're, they're the ones who do all the hard work really not me um were, were you not driving the camper van <laughs> no I wasn't driving the camper van that wasn't my job but my job's I always think I do all the boring stuff like you know the fundraising and the balancing of the books and things but it's that's where my sort of strength lies if you think so I, I I've done loads of different jobs in my time um I've had quite a varied career mm-hmm. um and when I sort of hit 40 I thought to myself you know I really need to start thinking about what I want to do longer term <laughs> and then even by 50 I hadn't figured it out but then I thought I do I'd like to work in a sector where I feel as though I'm making a difference mm-hmm. but I know I'm not the person to do the stuff front line you know I'm not that's not me that's not where I'm skilled but what I can do is I can you know count beans and I can write reports and I can do accounts and all of that sort of thing so I thought I can do that then that'll help the other people who are good at this frontline stuff and then that'll make me feel better and that that's where I'll get my sort of validation from I suppose but yeah so that that's kind of what what makes me happy is is seeing the work that they do really so this might seem like a, a, a silly question it's an important part of the community isn't it Meadowell Connected it's been it's been around for a long time why yeah. why is it important to have this place I mean, for me, I think it's that it gives people a space to connect. I mean, we're we're called Meadowell Connected. And I think that that at the heart of it is what it's about. Because usually what we find is somebody will walk through the door, often for one reason. And then once they start to, like, trust us and see that we're there for the right reasons and that we can do a range of different things, then we start to learn about them and learn about their history, their story. And then we find out, you know, actually there's loads more things going on in this person's life and that's how we can help. And, you know, there's an example of a lady who came in because um, she had to go on universal credit because she'd been caring for her mum for about sort of 15 years, but then her mum died and then that meant that she lost her carer's allowance. So at that time she was a single person and at that time only single people went on universal credit and she didn't have a computer. She didn't know how to claim universal credit. She didn't know... And she was, she just lost her mum, you know, who was a massive part of her life. So she was grieving and she came in the door and just to try and get the universal credit claim sorted out. But obviously, very quickly, we found out that she needed a lot more help and support. And ultimately, over time, she then became a volunteer. Um, She learned how to use a computer. She used to then teach other people how to use computers and say, well, if I could do it, you can do it. Turned out that she was um, she was dyslexic and um, had dyscalculia. She hadn't had that diagnosed. She was fifty seven or fifty eight, wow. I think, at the time. And she said, "Oh, I just used to think I was stupid, but because we helped her get so a diagnosis, happens, isn't it? Yeah, 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 helped her get a diagnosis, and then that made her realise that actually, no, she just thinks differently." 
and ultimately she did get a job and you know she, she does occasionally come in and, and you know keep in touch with us and so she, you know there was lots going on there but so that's why it's needed is is so that there's somewhere people can go when they're in crisis or even when they're not in crisis you know somewhere they can go to connect with with one another uh, we have a, a sort of fairly social group which meets on a tuesday and a friday called positive pathways and they're a right mixed bag of people you know from young mums to to um, older people and they just get together and have a natter it's as simple as that play bingo you know maybe have some food, they plan trips and things as well. Or if we get an opportunity to do something, like we had a, somebody, a volunteer, who was offering to do a Spanish le- lesson. So we said, would you fancy it? And they were like, yeah, we'll give that a go. So they had a Spanish lesson. They've done, they've done all sorts of things, but really what it's about is about making those social connections to reduce social isolation and, and increase understanding between different generations, different people. The Kids Club is a great example where kids, we've, I think there's about four or five primary schools in our area and they come because it's an affordable after-school club and lots of people are on low wages and they can't afford like a traditional after-school club. But the kids come from loads of different schools um, so then they get to meet different people that they wouldn't meet because otherwise they're either not in their street or they're not in their school and they get a bigger circle of friends, they get exposed to different ideas and they learn to support one another and that's to me the, the essence of what it's all about it's making connections making people feel valuable and valued and make, treating everybody well I think I think often as you've already sort of alluded to the actual activity itself is almost secondary isn't it it's it's the being together and the connecting and as you say addressing the isolation that, that's the the most important element the fact that you're learning Spanish or knitting while you're doing it it's almost secondary isn't it yeah I think definitely and we try to kind of do things I mean sometimes people need a little bit of hand holding to get some ideas together but we try to kind of do things that reflect their interests so mm-hmm. um, we've got a yoga group which was set up because there was somebody who had learned how to do yoga and just wanted to share it with other people so she does it on a voluntary basis she's and you know she's qualified as a yoga teacher but she just does it with a very small group of people and sometimes she does it in the garden sometimes she does it in the building if the weather's not so good similarly our guitar group came about in the same way a person who had time on his hands had some social anxiety himself but really kind of was a keen guitarist and wanted to sort of show other people how to play guitar and that group's been going for probably about three and a half years now and all through lockdown, we set up like some Zoom accounts and um, they managed to keep the guitar group going, albeit with a quite a small group of about half a dozen. But they continued to meet sort of twice a week online and try to learn new tunes and things. And I think all power to them because, you know, yeah. the technology was a bit of a challenge initially, but they, they got there. And now they're starting to slowly come back and do it in person. And as I say, same in the, in the gardens, we, we try to do things that reflect people's interests so um, we've got a lady who's really interested in poetry so we had like a sort of poetry competition and um, we've now sort of got some poems actually up in the garden that were written by this particular volunteer so yeah we we try to kind of not impose our own ideas or our own values on people we try to like encourage them to be the sort of catalyst for for the things that we offer. So I think I might know the answer to this question Um, (laughs) but 
does working in the voluntary sector in particular at Meadowell Connected at the minute, you know, does that bring you happiness? Yeah, I mean, I think, as I say, I've, I always kind of class myself as a bit of a jack of all trades and master of none because I have done <laughs> quite a range of different things. I've worked in the private sector, I've worked in the public sector, I've been self-employed, I've done lots of different jobs over my lifetime. But as I said, I did make kind of quite a deliberate choice that I wanted to get into the voluntary sector because I wanted, I think I I felt as though I wanted to do something that was meaningful. You know, I used to be, many years ago, I was a financial advisor and I used to sell mortgages and pensions Mm -hmm. and things. Now I made lots of money at the time because I got lots of commission because I was reasonably good at it. But it didn't necessarily make me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, it paid the bills, but it didn't really make me happy. And I always used to feel a bit conflicted because I knew that if I sold somebody this particular product, then I would be benefiting by the sum of X amount. Yeah. And I used to sort of think, no, I'm, I'm definitely giving them the right advice in my head. This is what I would tell myself. Um, this is the advice I would give myself if, if I had to. But then, you know, it's quite hard when you get that sort of, that you're going to personally, little, financially little, benefit. on your shoulder. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so I actually, st- I stopped doing that and went to, um, back to university as a mature student. That gave me a huge amount of pleasure, I have to say, and a lot of happiness, because um, I really enjoyed the studying and I really enjoyed the subject. Oh, it was a funny degree called Human Organisations, mm-hmm. um, and it was a mixture of, um, sociology psychology business studies politics um it was a real mix but an organizational sort of structures and and how organizations operate in in the world so whether it's a family or a business and so it was really interesting and i really enjoyed doing it um and i just really did it for my own benefit i didn't really know what i was going to do after that but i got a huge amount of pleasure out of it and I was glad that I had done it because I think I'd regretted not doing my degree when I was younger. Um, but then I kind of, after that, sort of had a bit of an unhappy time, I suppose, because my mum passed away and I was a bit left kind of, oh, I don't really know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. That's how I ended up getting in. I worked for Gateshead Council for a while. I got into the public sector and it was just kind of by accident because I wasn't really in a good place. Yeah. Um, so that it was after I'd worked there that I then made the decision I needed to change my mind and do something else. And I actually set up my own party shop and balloon decorating business, which seems really random. Well, that sounds happy. <laughs> it, well, it was happy in as much as all of your customers were coming in for like a happy reason. Yeah. So uh, we didn't, we did get the odd complaint about something if they weren't happy with a cake that they bought or some such thing. But um, generally speaking, everybody who was coming in were coming in for like a nice reason. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was, but it was hard work. It's hard work being self-employed. There's a lot of pressure. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I know. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, and because lots of parties were at the weekend, I was kind of pretty much working seven days a week, uh, uh, not getting okay. much time with my family. Mm-hmm. So um, I did it for about ten years, but yeah, that was it. It had its highs, but uh, it was hard work. No um, pun this definitely Yeah, yeah. This definitely is the thing that makes me much happier than I've ever been. You don't get paid very well in the voluntary sector, but that's not my motivation really. Um, and I just like to see. I love hearing the stories um, that the staff tell me or like seeing somebody and seeing them smiling and mm-hmm. that's that's what gives me sort of purpose, I think. Yeah. So is that where you find happiness at work is through the, the, the stories of, of people coming through the doors and discovering, Defi- discovering yeah, things? Yeah, definitely. And, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, a, there's always a bit of like, um, you know, 
momentary euphoria if you if you bag a very big funding bid of uh, course. kind of famous <laughs> for doing a, my little um you know my um money dance whenever I ever get like a, a oh, watch of money oh this is an audio podcast so we can't record you dance <laughs> no I do a little dance it depends on how much money it is how how, how big ra- the dance is <laughs> how big the dance is you know so yeah um so yeah that, that you get that that's high if you win some money um mm. but you know that's a constant battle also um it's so hard yeah work. at work I definitely yeah. Yeah. yeah at work it's definitely seeing the people seeing the kids when they're smiling and laughing if we have an event um we had a, an autumn fair a couple of weeks ago and lots of people came and they all had loads of fun and seeing the pictures on the facebook and everything of kids with balloon swords and things you know it's just it's fun you know it's nice yeah so you've mentioned the word happy happiness a few times already is it something that you think much about mandy and and something that you actively work on or or not so much yeah i mean um don't know whether it's the word happiness as such but um really during the lockdown period i was fortunate enough to get access to some coaching um which introduced me to this process around positive intelligence and positivity so it's kind of positivity rather than happiness but Mm. I guess the crux of it is that is that if you let your positive intelligence override other things then you will be more successful but you also will be happier because if you can it's a bit like you know everybody has that little voice in their head telling them they're not good enough or you know so I call it the pernicious parrot who sort of sits (laughs) on your shoulder and tells you that you're not going to be any good at this or whatever but if you can quieten the noise of, of that and listen to your sort of in a sort of positive self then actually you know if you start paying more attention to that that will ultimately make you feel happier and then if you're happier and if you can use that empathy towards other people then they will actually be happier and you'll not be as stressed so I kind of recognize I was getting quite stressed by the pressure of everything so I thought I need to do something about this and then that was how the coaching came along and then this lady introduced me to to um the work of Shazad Shamin he's called who who has this theory of positive intelligence and I read his book and I watched his podcasts and I thought yeah actually this really chimes with me I like it I'm mm. gonna and it's all about really it's about like taking little micro mindful moments throughout the day that could be just listening to a bird it could be breathing or it could be just really concentrating on somebody. There's lots of little tricks you can do in the sort of 20 seconds. It doesn't take like loads of your time, but it kind of connects yourself back to who you are. Positivity. Yeah. And the positivity. Because I think it's natural, isn't it? Unfortunately, that if, if you, if you run an event or you you do something, you you always remember the negative comments that are made. I, I don't know what it is. So that sounds like one way of kind of trying not to do that yeah. and, and looking at the positive. I like that, Pos- positive intelligence. Positive intelligence. You can go and Google it and I there's lots of, lots of free resources and, you know, there's the, you can read bits of the book and things, but it's not for everybody. You know, everybody has different things that they gra- gravitate to, but for me, it, it really helped and it helped me at a time when I... It came at a time when I think I could have become quite subsumed by things I have had difficult times in this job challenging things around HR issues and things um, and at those times I definitely let that like negative head and negative voice be in charge and I think that's you don't sleep well you know it's it's just not good for you 
you have to try and have a bit of self-care first and foremost I think and that's yeah. if you can care for yourself then you feel more able to care for others and I think lots of people have learned that there's been lots of talk hasn't there over the last few months about looking after yourself and, and being mindful of people's mental well-being and things and taking time to really work on it because if you if you don't I suppose it's like anything that your brain's a muscle like anything else so if you don't work on it it will just deteriorate or maybe the wrong sort of synapses will get connected in a, in a negative way which will be bad for you you know so um, it, I think we, we all have to work on on ourselves as much as we can and that will hopefully make us happier yeah which is which is often you know in in real terms it's often quite it's easier said than done isn't it so sometimes you do have to consciously make the effort and you know I'm often thinking to myself I should you know practice what I preach when I give a uh, you know say something to somebody it's like actually you don't do that to yourself <laughs> so I think sometimes it's it's hard to remember isn't it I think and, and finding yeah, the time I think that's in what... often our busy lives yeah, I think that's why I like this particular practice because they're, they're little things throughout the day. So you can have, you can sort of set reminders in your normal routine to sort of think, oh yes, when I'm doing this, I'm supposed to think about that. For example, like cleaning your teeth. We all clean our teeth. But if you just, while you're cleaning your teeth, take a moment to like see what it, like really concentrate on what it feels like, what the toothpaste tastes like, what your mouth feels like afterwards and maybe the temperature of the water if you have a glass of water or what like you can there's lots of little times in your day where you can just take a, a microsecond 20 seconds to think to stop and think mm-hmm. um and slow yourself down and uh, see so that that's one of the reasons I like it is because it's quite easy to remember and you don't have to sort of go and sit in a room and sort of meditate for half an hour or whatever I just I know I, I wouldn't have the persistence to do that regularly I, I would start well-meaning and then I would then I would yeah. after a week or two I'd be like oh no I haven't got time for that so so what is happiness to you what what do you think of when you think of the word happiness is it a word you're comfortable with some people we've talked to don't really like the word happiness and prefer to use a different word so what, what what's happiness to you yeah I mean I think as I say being positive and, and having like a positive outlook for me is is quite important and that's maybe how I would I would sort of characterize it more than happiness per se because I think people do think of happiness as you know somebody's in a state of euphoria yeah um and actually you know it's it's just about feeling contented and and you know recognizing and, and appreciating the things that you've got I mean you know some of us are, are more fortunate than others in terms of what what we get but you know there are ways to to try and identify in the smallest of things whether it's I I walk my dog every morning and every morning I sort of try to appreciate the environment that that I'm walking in listening to the birds or you know so that for me is is just appreciating those things that we have got rather than worrying about the things that we haven't got Mm. you might sort of say well it's easy for you because you know you're sort of middle class and da 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 but um there are things that everybody can try and appreciate and I, and I do know it's hard. Obviously, I see the people that, that we work with, but even even they can get joy in, as I say, sitting down, having a cup of tea and a chat with somebody, yeah. um, feeling as though they, they're, they're useful. But yeah, so happiness for me is, is about kind of taking what you, you know, really appreciating what you've got. You know, I'm really fortunate. I've got three lovely children and, you know, a lovely grandson and, you know, happily married for a long time and all that sort of stuff, you know. So th- those sort of things bring me bring me happiness 
I've got a small but really great bunch of friends. I've got a lovely family, you know, who sometimes drive me crazy, but, you know, <laughs> um, I'm still fortunate to have them, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah that's, that's really what I think of happiness is, is just those things that, that are in your life that bring you pleasure. Yeah. Maybe sounds- music. That sounds great you know, to me. Yeah. <laughs> so we're coming to the end of the interview now, I think, Mandy, and so many great pearls of wisdom, bits of advice there. I'm definitely going to check out the uh, positive intelligence thing. That sounds really interesting. How can people who perhaps want to get involved in Well Connected get involved or, or help out if they want to volunteer? What's the best way of, of them doing that? I mean, I would always say first and foremost, just come and see us, you know, just walk in, go, go in the cafe, have a cup, cup of tea, see if you like the the vibe in the centre, um, talk to the staff, there's usually somebody around. If you want, if you feel more comfortable making a specific appointment, you can contact us either by phone or by email or via our Facebook page. And I would always sort of recommend a visit just to have a look around because we always think when people come, they go, wow didn't know all this was here um so it's best to come and have a look really and um and from there then you might sort of think oh well actually yeah the gardens seem a good a good idea for me we've got a volunteer coordinator who can help people who want to volunteer um if there's people who need support you know there's various different groups and things that, or staff that can talk to but yeah i would say the first and foremost is just come and see us you know we're a friendly bunch we'll not bite um you know we've got a decent cafe with a decent cup of coffee in it and or a cup of tea if you prefer you can come and just sit in the garden if you want nobody will bother you so yeah um just come and talk to us i would say it's the best thing to do and i can vouch for the cafe i've, I've had a, i've had a meal and, and a few uh, cups of coffee from there and it's a it's a, it's all right <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Good> stuff <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much mandy for your time this afternoon i really appreciate you uh talking to me um and yes thank you no yeah, it's been it's been fun thanks alex So that was Mandy. What did people think? Well, she inspired me in a a number of ways. I've known Murderwell Connected locally for a long time, but I've never met Mandy before. And it sounded fascinating, everything that that she's been involved in. And I hadn't realised there was five and a half acres of grounds attached to that building. So It's huge. But I'm not going to talk about gardening, um, promise. She sounded as though she'd often felt a bit uncomfortable with her career or work that she'd done and then Mm. she'd gone back and done a degree as a mature student and that really struck a chord with me because the going back into education was what really was what I did when the kids were a bit older and it it was fascinating to hear someone else reflecting on that. And the the degree that she did sounded absolutely fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I missed out on that one. Um, was it human organisation? Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, I'm a human, but I'm not organised. Organize me, please. Yeah, I can, I can do a bit of that. <laughs> Kath, what, Kath, what did you go back and study when you went back to, to do further education? I did history and English, combined history and English. Right. Yeah, so I started off in the 12th century and then ended up discovering that I like the 20th century better (laughs) which which is which is why I do what I do now and then it obviously led on to a new career for um for Mandy 
Mm. And the fact that she discovered a happiness in her new career, <laughs> I, I thought was wonderful how, how that all came about. So, yeah, it was it was great. And it was nice to hear about Medwell Connected as well. So Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Kath. Paul, what about you? What did you think? Yeah, I mean, the the first thing that sort of struck me from from the interview, and I, I'll be honest, I don't know much about uh, Meadow Well Connected, but the the first thing that struck me was just this sense of community and connecting that probably, certainly from my perspective, I feel like I and a lot of people like me have have lost over the last 12 months because of lockdown because of corona we've all sort of become hermits a little bit hidden ourselves away and um probably lost that sense of community a little bit and like i was saying now that i'm going away with the band again and we're back on tour it's all it's all great but actually you know i've realized that i've become a bit of a hermit and other people are making me a bit awkward yeah. and a bit annoyed and and you know i, I think um definitely connecting with the community is something that we need to to work on and and get back because i think we've lost it a lot over the last uh, 12 months so you know someone like mandy who works at this place that's what they do all the time but i think it's it's even more important now than it was maybe it's a couple of years mm-hmm. ago um yeah referring to myself again like going on tour and, and touring with the band we've found that over the last few shows that we've done we've only got half the amount of people coming back to the shows that we would have had this time last year mm-hmm. and i think a lot of that is to do with obviously anxieties uh, about going back out into the world about going out to gigs being around crowds so there's you know uh, understandable anxieties surrounding um covid and uh, um but i also think that people have gotten a little bit relaxed and kind of oh well I could go out to a gig, but actually I've been enjoying sitting on my backside in the house for the last 12 months, <laughs> watching Netflix and, uh, you know, drinking gin and just chilling. Um, and I, I think a lot of us have become like that, a bit hermit-like over the last um, 12 months mm. or so. So uh, the first thing that came out to me was how important somewhere like um, somewhere like Meadowell uh, Connected is in in getting people out of the houses and socializing again um because we've become a little bit unsociable over the last year or so i loved um i loved all of the kind of uh, slightly outside the box thinking that they were doing how you know if if we can't bring the people into the buildings during mm-hmm. lockdown we'll, we'll go out to them and mm. the whole Santa, Santa in the camper van was just mm. a brilliant <laughs> example of that. I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right, Paul. Thank you. Anything else? Oh well, so you speak of Santa in the camper van. I, it, it just brought back a really fond memory that I've got from when I was a kid. So you know, in terms of happy vibes, um, when I was a kid, we, we used to live in uh, Morpeth on quite a new estate. Uh, Kirk Hill in Morpeth, which it was quite new at the time, so early 80s. And uh, there was a, a community group called um, The Round Table. It's probably still a thing. Is it a thing? The Round Table? Mm. Yeah. I, I've not I remember the round table. come across yeah. it since, but I think at the time, it's probably still around in some form or another. But at the time in Morpeth, because it was quite a new estate that we're on, The Round Table was a way of getting families together out for snooker tournaments and, you know, um, 
go and watch bands together and do various. I think it was a predominantly a men's group, but I think they had, uh, you know, being it in the late seventies, early eighties, it was it was based around the blokes. But I think there was women's nights, all sorts of stuff going on. But the round table used to organise a Santa Claus on the back of a truck that used to go round all the houses on Kirkhill, and he'd be collecting for charity. We had one of those in Edinburgh as well. Yeah. Yeah, but it was like a massive <laughs> deal when the Santa truck would come round the housing estates <laughs> in the early eighties, and you'd hear the bell ringing and whatever the music was, Wizard or or you know, it was they were playing some <laughs> blaring some music off the back of the truck, and Santa would turn <laughs> up, and all the kids would get really excited, and and there was a real sense of community uh, going back to this idea of community, there was a real sense of community then um, yeah. when I was a kid yeah. where people would come out of the houses and get excited. And uh, in fact, I think Alex, because Alex and I are neighbours, we, we we recently had a, a Santa, <laughs> Was did Santa come on the Nexus bus? bus? And uh, Santa it was a double decker bus, yeah. On the yeah. Nexus bus around um, the Northeast and we got all got quite excited about it and we all went out to see the bus and took the kids out with again this this idea of oh what it was like when we were kids and we took all the kids up to a corner in forest hall to see santa come on the bus and we waited for so long for this nexus bus to turn up didn't we it was so cold it was so cold <laughs> and the kids bless them were getting a bit distracted and a bit bored and eventually the bus turned up and it couldn't have gone past us any faster if it tried it? <laughs> <laughs> it like shot past and santa was just sort of Blink. waving on the top and disappeared off into the distance <laughs> Um, so yeah, the the uh, the talk of the Santa camper van it reminded me of that. It was a good memory, so it reminded me of that. Lovely, thank you, Paul. No Chris, what about you? Well, I was very encouraged by it. Um, she was talking about coaching at the end of it and how valuable that. I mean, I'm actually about to start doing a coaching course. Mm. So you know, if 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 coaching is of value to people, and I'm going to do it, and that's that's a that's a good thing. It's a good reason to do it. Um, but I think there was also an important lesson um, in there about you know why places like Meadowell Connect and Mandy and all her team or the jobs that they do why it's so important um because when she was talking about um so people coming into the center you know it's some for some people it's it's not an easy thing to to walk through a door with strangers on the other side and ask for help and she was talking about the need for trust and listening before people will start to share their stories. And I think for me, that's why places like Meadowhall Connect are so... Sorry, Meadowhall Connect, going back to my Sheffield days. <laughs> um, Meadowhall Connect um, are so important because of the people in them are there to listen and yeah. are very, very good at that. And you can't quantify it, really. You know, you can't look at a balance sheet and see listening in there but you know if you take that out of the equation it's just a building yeah and yeah you know it's, it's so important to have that connection so yeah i, I really applaud what they're doing that's Ooh. a fantastic job lovely well thank you everybody and thank you mandy for another awesome interview thank Ooh. you very much if you've been inspired by this podcast episode then we'd love to hear from you we love hearing your stories and opinions on what happiness means to you you can get in touch via email, hello at thenorthernguidestohappiness.co.uk 
Or you can find us on Twitter at North Happiness and Instagram and Facebook at Northern Happiness. We're really glad to be spreading joy and happiness around the North East through this podcast, thanks to funding from the National Lottery Community Fund and the Newcastle Covid Fund. So thank you so much to our funders for their support. I'm handing over to Chris now, who's going to introduce the next episode. Yeah. So one of the things that kept me really happy uh, and a lot of people really happy during lockdown was the fact that there are so many lovely parks in the northeast um, that we can go out and enjoy. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a really nice one near us as well, which is fantastic. Um, But the thing about parks is they don't look after themselves. Uh, So I've been really keen to find out a bit more about kind of what goes on. So uh, tune in next time. You'll hear me talking to another guy called Tim Crook. Uh, who is a trustee for the Friends of Gosforth Central Park. Uh, and he tells me uh, a lot about kind of what all the work is that goes into sort of looking after the green spaces and how it gives him happiness and how he helps to give other people happiness. So tune in and you'll hear me ask questions like this. Somebody turning up to um, to volunteer with the, the Friends of Gosforth Central Park. Obviously, this is a happiness podcast, so we're interested in kind of well-being and people's enjoyment of, of landscape. What... what could people expect when they turn up as a volunteer? How, how is it going to help their feeling of kind of contentment and happiness? And hear Tim give answers like this. Well, if they come along on a Monday, we'll ask them what they want to do, what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. They might be interested in gardening. They might not. They might be just be, like myself, free labour. Mm-hmm. I'm not a gardener, really. Um, I do get asked, what, what's this plant? It's a blue one. <laughs> it's a red one. I don't know. Um, it it sounds silly, but if you see a raggedy path and you edge it and it's got a nice straight line, I'm an engineer, so I like straight lines. <laughs> it's it makes you it makes you happy that you've you've done that because you can see what you've done and everybody else can see it. And while you're doing it, people come and thank you for doing it and say how wonderful it is. So any volunteer can do that. Fabulous. Thank you, Chris. So we've reached the end of another episode. We hope you're enjoying listening to the Northern Guide to Happiness. Take care and see you all again next week for another episode. Bye.